Good evening. So I can see you guys are all enjoying being here and me hooking up with your friends and talking and all that. It is a wonderful, wonderful day, isn't it? Well, we're getting ready to receive the tithes and offerings so the ushers can get ready. And I just want to start off by telling you, thank you so much for your hearts. You know, last week and then tomorrow, actually, we actually went out and we got to serve out in the Puna area um, and helping all those who have been evacuated with what's going on. And you're out there serving and you're hearing all these stories about people and their amazing stories. And you think about this congregation, this family of God that's here that says, you know what? We want to be a part of what's happening in your life. We want to be a part of what God's doing and how he's helping you. And so we get to your generosity in giving, your generosity in coming up and serving. You know, we've been praying that God will increase our leadership base, and we see that with all the people that are volunteering to come out and serve. And I think, you know what, Lord? No matter what's going on, you are always doing something amazingly good. And because we're a part of his body, we get to be a part of that amazing thing that God is doing. And we get to be a people who reflect him. You know, the Bible says that we are a city on a hill, a lamp that cannot be hidden. And so when we give, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, God, as a part of your body, as a part of who you are, we want to give and we want to be a part of whatever you're doing in this community to be your light and to be your hope. So I just want to say thank you for giving and may we continue to have a heart that serves people. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for calling us to be a part of your body and for inviting us to be a part of the healing that you bring, to be a part of the hope that you bring, and to be a part of the, your love. And so, Lord God, we pray that you would receive this, our tithes and our offerings that we're bringing to you, and would you continue to multiply it so that this community, this state, and our nation may know that there's a God who loves them. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Marsha. Well, we are, we are definitely grateful for what God is doing and, and again, for the people. We are in this series, uh, we're celebrating summer, and it almost sounds kind of weird because it's not really a summer to celebrate with all that is happening, but at the same time, tonight, what we're going to talk about will give us reason to celebrate. We're not, we don't celebrate the things that take place that are negative, or we don't celebrate the, the bad things that happen, as well as when people lose homes or have to evacuate. We don't celebrate that. But what we're going to learn tonight is that there are things that are happening that we can celebrate so that we have that spiritual energy or maturity or that, that uh, physical energy so that we can serve people well. Because sometimes if we forget about celebrating what God is doing, then we get caught up in all the negative things that are being said or the not-so-good things that are happening. So it really takes believers and those who are spiritually mature to understand what it means to celebrate when we follow God and when we listen to His voice and His direction. So tonight we'll be in the book of Philippians, if you want to turn there, Philippians chapter 4. We'll also be in Philippians chapter 3, but you can turn to Philippians 4. Or if you have the, our church app, then you can open that up, and then uh, it'll help you to follow along if you want to, if you want to take some notes. Uh, by the way, for those of you who have signed up and you're wondering that, well, no one got back to me. You know, I signed up on Sunday and no one got back to me. Uh, be okay with it for a little bit because we're trying to organize everyone and put people in different areas. 
Uh, and one thing that is happening is because people f uh, fill in different time slots, we're trying to find other areas that people can serve in. And we're in it for the long haul. So don't get discouraged if you don't get a hold of or if no one connects with you within the week or so. We're doing our very best to uh, organize it better. And we're learning something new every single day. And things change every single day. So our heart is to serve the community, uh, serve our church, uh, as well as be a light in our community as we serve God. And we, what we don't want to become is a part of the grumbling or complaining. We want to shine the light of Jesus Christ, and we want to be there for those who are having a difficult time, those who are struggling, and be there for when things change quickly and people are misinformed or, you know, other things. So that's why we're in this series, this summer celebration, because we're celebrating what God is doing. Even in the midst of chaos, God is doing something great. And as we talk about celebrating, we're going to celebrate memories. And that's what we're going to look at. How do we celebrate memories? And why is it important to celebrate memories? What is so important about memories? But just think about it. Memories, memories are a great thing for us to have when we lose everything. Because when you lose everything, all you have are memories. Memories is something that no one can take from you. Memories is something that lava cannot cover or destroy. Memories is something that God gave to us, the, the, the ability to remember, the ability to recall things, the ability to think about these things that were great in our lives and the good things that have happened. Even though pictures may be destroyed or photo albums gone and even homes where memories were built, even though that may be gone, the memories that God has put in our minds and in our hearts can never be taken away. He puts that there so that we can dwell on good things. And that's what the book of Philippians talks about. Paul the Apostle is addressing the people in Philippi and Corinth and Ephesus. And he's writing these letters to them. And we have one of them, which is the book of Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul the Apostle, who was one that was converted from following uh, just the religious ways of God, he was a Pharisee, so he had the religious laws that he was following, but he didn't have that, that heart of God, so he wasn't concerned about people, he was more concerned about the religious side of it. So he was a Pharisee, and then when he met Jesus Christ, he became a believer, a Christian as it were, because a Christian is someone who followed Jesus Christ, or they're also known as his disciples, Jesus' disciples. But Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't there when Jesus was alive. Paul met Jesus when Jesus died, uh, after Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the grave. Paul, well, his name was Saul at that time, Saul saw this vision and spoke with Jesus. And then Jesus said, you will be my chosen instrument. So from that day forward, Saul, who became Paul, started to serve Jesus Christ. And now he became an apostle, someone who had that ministry of releasing gifts in people. He would, he would speak into people's lives. He would, he would build churches and have all of these different groups around that would meet about Jesus Christ, talk about the gospel. People would get saved under his leadership and under his ministry. So Paul is doing this now for the glory of God, and he's going around from place to place in Rome, and he's being imprisoned. And most of the letters that Paul wrote was from prison. So by the time he writes this letter to the people in Philippi, he's experienced some turmoil, some catastrophes, 
So he's speaking out of a life that is not the greatest of smooth sailing. He experienced some tough times. And he, he, he outlines that in the book of Acts. And he says, I've been shipwrecked, I've been flogged, I've been stranded. So he outlines that. So when he's writing these letters, it's not coming from someone who's up in a hotel and, you know, lounging around and saying, you know, this is what you guys should be thinking of. He's saying, listen, I've been through it all. So here's, here's some things that I want to give to you. And so he encourages the believers to do this. He says in Philippians 4, verse 8, he says, finally... Brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, he says, dwell on these things. He's saying, think about these things. Dwell on these things. Take into account these things. In other words, all of these attributes or these virtues, he's saying, they're good for you to think about. Because there, there are too many things that are negative that you will automatically think about. It doesn't take much to think about something negative. Negative things happen in our lives all the time. It can happen just like that. Maybe you're, you're, you're having a great morning and you're just about to leave and you grab your coffee, you get into the car, and then it spills on you and it spills on your, uh, in your car, and now your whole car is a mess. It's like your whole day is now starting off on a negative now your attitude is different and you're late for work because you got to clean things up. So now everything shifts. And so all you're thinking about is that incident. So now you come in with a negative attitude. It's like, hey, good morning. Good morning. I spilled coffee all over me. What happened? Well, my wife didn't cover it good or so-and-so didn't. So now our, our attitude changes because we're dwelling on the negative. It doesn't take much to dwell on the negative. It's easy for us to come home from work and talk about the negative and say, oh, this person is like this. Oh, you should have seen this guy again. Oh, my goodness. Remember I told you about so-and-so? Yeah. One more time. Again, I don't know why this person doesn't get it. So now you bring in negativity in the home, and now everyone else now has that negative spirit. So when Paul says, finally, brethren, this is what you are to dwell on. This is what you should take into account. When he says this, he's saying it for a specific reason because he knows that we tend to drift towards negativity, which is pretty interesting because negativity attracts negativity. Have you ever been around people who just continuously gossip? And like if you add your gossip in there, there's no ending. And it almost seems like a fanfare of fire that everyone just keeps adding. Oh, you got something negative too? Jump in. And they throw in their log of negativity. Next thing you know, it's like a blazing fire and we feel good about it. And then the person leaves. It's like, hey, how's that guy? He just jumped in and talking negative. And then now we're talking about that person who was in the gang of gossipers. And now all we have is negativity and we feel good about what's happening that is negative. Which is opposite of what God is saying. He's saying that's not what you are to dwell on because that's what you're going to be taking into account, which at the same time changes everything about your spiritual well-being. It affects us that much. We have some good memories. And sometimes we've, we've been in groups that we talk about good memories. Have you ever been, uh, I don't know if it's good memories, but it's, it's kind of, we, we can talk about it now because we survived it. Take a group of guys, if they're just hanging out, and all one person has to say is, hey, what, hap 
what happened to your arm? Oh, I fall off my motorcycle. I was, you know, I was cruising this place, and this happened. I was jumping ramps, and then I was 12 years old, and I fell, and I, oh, man, I gashed my arm open, and I, I fell on a guava tree, and, you know, I just ripped my arm open. I had to go to the hospital. I had 70 million stitches, and then stitch in my arm. My elbow was popping out, so, but I good, I good, I good. I had to go through therapy. And I had to do that. And you, you finish that story, it, it doesn't end there. Guarantee somebody will say, oh, no way. Hey, when I was 12, I, my foot fell off, and then I had to stitch him back on. So it's like one story after another continues on. Next thing you know, you're talking about the same kind of thing because someone brought it up. And not necessarily a bad memory, but now it's one of those things that it's in you, so you recall it, one, uh, you recall it over and over. Or sometimes there are good memories that we talk about where we say things like, uh, some of you have grown up, where you played football on the street. Remember that? You'd play football on the street. And then when it would get a little bit rowdy, you would play tackle because you was losing, so you was mad. So you don't play two-hand touch anymore. You get upset, so you push them down, and now you want to fight. So although bad memory at that time, we dwell on those things like, oh, that was good times, good times. Or for some of us, when we were growing up, we didn't have a time curfew. Our curfew was what? The street lights. That was our curfew when the streetlights came on. And there was one streetlight on our block that came on really, really late. And we were so thankful that that was the last one that would, that if that one came on and it was old kind of lighting, so it'd come on really light, like really dim, that was kind of like our alarm of you better run home now because our parents are old enough where they cannot see too good, but if it gets bright, then they're going to know it's on. So those memories that we have of growing up, we talk about. We, we reminisce. We talk about good times. And we do that because it feels good to talk about good times, good memories. Memories of family getting together. Memories of meeting people. Memories of when you got married. Memories of when you were dating and things like that. Memories of when you first met. Great memories. We, we, we think about these things because it, it makes us feel better. And if you've been married for, I don't know, 10, 20, 25 years, it's good to talk about those times when you first met. Because we forget about what we used to do, therefore it leads us down a road that once we forget about what we used to do to get to the place where we are, where we fell in love and, and got married, if we don't continue to dwell on the good things, then we tend to drift along the way because we've forgotten about all of those great things. And Paul is reminding the church and the people, the believers, he's saying, you can automatically think about negative things, but it, it takes a decision and intentionality to dwell on good things. And he lists what we're supposed to dwell on. And the reason why he gives us a list is because sometimes we need to know, well, what should I dwell on? Why should we, why should we dwell on these specific things? Why should we take into account these specific things? Well, he gives us this, this list because the Lord knows what we need to think about in order for it to affect our, our decisions, our emotions. He knows what we should be thinking about to affect our spiritual health, even our relationships. Have you ever gone to sleep mad at someone who lives with you? You go to sleep mad, but then you wake up in the morning, you forget about it, but then you remember, oh yeah, I'm mad. Our attitude changes like that. Like, we, we get up good. It's like, oh, it's sunny today. Oh, yeah, I'm mad. And then we, we change that fast. That's why God says, no, I got to give you a list because if not, 
you're, you're, going to, you're going to tend to lean more towards the flesh. The flesh side of us doesn't take much work for it because it's our sinful nature. That's why the Bible says work out your salvation. There's work that needs to be done. And when negativity lives in our minds, even though it may just like leave for a night that we forgot, oh yeah, we were fighting. Even though it may leave for a night, if it dwells there, it will always find its way back home. So even though, even though we may be okay for a little bit, if, we, if we're constantly thinking about negative things or the, the things that went wrong, then it'll always find its way back. We have to fight forward in order for the negative to see that it's no longer wanted here. That's where our mind comes in, our thinking. And so when Paul gives this list, he's saying, here are some things that you need to do, and here are some things that you need to think about to take into account because that's what's going to set you up for future decisions as well as your emotions and your spiritual health. But there's a word that he uses. He says, finally, brethren, finally. It's almost like he's saying, like he gives a list of things, and then he says, last but not least. It's like, here are some important things, and then last but not least, here are some things. So whenever you see the word finally in the Bible, go back to what was previously mentioned, because that has importance. And so what does Paul say before making this statement, finally, brethren? Here it is in Philippians 4, verses 1 through 7. His, this is what Paul is saying. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, and he says this, my joy and crown. So he's encouraging them. He says, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge you, uh, Euodia, and I urge uh, Syn Syntyche. To, why, why didn't they just call them like Tom and Marsha? It would have been so easy. Uh, but I urge, I urge Euodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Then he says this, rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Then he says this phrase, which is pretty familiar to us. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he says, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think recently we, we've, been, we've been letting God know some things, haven't we? We've been making some requests to God. And he's saying, in everything, in everything that is happening, make your requests made known to me. Pastor Marsha was talking about our 40-40 prayer earlier, our 40-40 prayer challenge. And the challenge was for us to pray for 40 seconds every day for 40 days straight. Now, some of you have jumped on and you're doing that. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you did two days and then you skipped. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it, but that's the challenge. I want to encourage you that if you have not done that, pray for something specific for 40 seconds every day for 40 days. Now, you might need to remind yourself. You might need to put a calendar 
checklist that this is day one, day two. But what it does is it, it specifically gives God something that you're, you, you have on your heart. And then watch what God does. That's what we've been praying specifically for is our leadership base, that it would increase. And what that means is, let's just say, this, these are our servants, those of you who serve here at the church. You serve in our children's ministry, worship team, kitchen, uh, uh, ushers and greeters. You serve behind the scenes in, in various areas. These are the servants. Then what God does is he pours on the people, he brings people, and he pours them on, and let's just say it's like sand. It'll only go so high until what happens? Yeah, people fall off the edges. So what happens is God can pour 5,000 people towards us, but if we can only handle 1,300, then in order for us to handle more, 2,000, we're going to have to increase the leadership base. So now as God pours in people, we can take good care of them. But that only happens when this increases. And if this doesn't increase, then it doesn't matter how many people God pours into our church. If we can't take care of them, they just fall off the edges. And that's not the heart of God at all. That's not our heart at all. So what we've been seeing as we've been praying for our leadership base is you have been stepping up, rising up. Our staff has been rising up. Multiple people have been stepping in that would have never been in that situation. God is the one who's orchestrating a lot of what is happening in our, in our leadership base. He's the one that's doing that. It takes a willing heart. It takes vision for us to say, Lord, send me. I'll do that. I'll take care of that. Because we all have a gift to serve the Lord. Every single person has a gift to serve the Lord. Some of you, you might be thinking, I don't have a gift. All I do is order people around. Is that a gift? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you might need to you know, fine-tune the gift, but... Nonetheless, there is a gift that God has given to you. Some of you, you're like, I don't want to be in charge. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You have a gift of servanthood. So everyone has at least one gift. Some of you, you walk into the church, all you see is problems. And you say, oh, man, why did they do this? Oh, look, the slide, wrong. Oh, bad spelling. Oh, oh bad. Oh, they forgot the words. Like, you have all of these. You, you automatically see that, not because you're critical, but because you have a gift, you have a gift to help solve the problem. So we, we, we feel sometimes that, oh, I'm not worthy, uh, uh, but I, I'm not able to. And God says, I gave you this gift. And every good gift, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So never underestimate when God says you have a gift. And that's that leadership base we've been praying about. So when Paul says, hey, when you pray about these things, you're praying to God. And when, when you're praying to God, these specific things, he's the one that is going to guard your heart and your mind, not just guarding it, but he's guarding it in Christ Jesus. In other words, nothing can penetrate the Lord's goodness. He is that strong where death could not even stop him. So if the Lord is guarding our mind, that is a good guard to have. That's why he says to dwell on these good things. He's going to pour in memories. He's going to give us great things to remember. And he says, but who's going to guard that? Jesus Christ. So we celebrate those memories because it's good for us. And when God sees something in our future, he's going to bring something in our past that may help us in our future. And we might think, yeah, but I've been through a lot. You don't know my past. I've, I've had some horrible things happen to me. I've done some horrible things. And, and now I'm, I'm dealing with the repercussions of it. 
I'm dealing with the, the consequences of it. So I don't think I'm at that place yet. Well, Paul is speaking to people that were just like you and I. They had a past. They had a, a present. They had some flaws. But what Paul was doing is he was, he was bringing out of them the future and hope that God says they have. And so he says, these are the things you are to dwell on. And this passage where he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, whenever you see the word therefore, that tells you that something was said before that. So everything connects. So what did Paul say before he said, therefore? Well, in, in Philippians 3, verses 18 through 21, this is what Paul says. He says, for I have told you often before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on this earth. But we are citizens of heaven. It's like Paul wants them to shift their way of thinking. He says, don't brag about shameful things. Don't think about your life, your life that is here on this earth, only about this life on earth. But don't forget that you're citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we eagerly, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So Paul is saying, this is, this is what our focus should be. And then he goes into therefore, and he encourages them. And then he says, finally, here's what you are to dwell on. So what we're going to look at is, we're going to look at three important reasons why we should celebrate memories and then how to do so. Here's the why, if you want to write this in. Number one, we are citizens of heaven. And if you're taking notes, I mean, we just personalize it, that I am a citizen of heaven. We are all citizens of heaven. And because we are citizens of heaven, we receive all the benefits that come with being a citizen of heaven. Citizenship is one of the major things happening right now in our country. And it can even take our focus off of being a citizen of heaven. The benefits that we have of heaven. One of the most powerful benefits of knowing that you're a citizen in heaven and dwelling on that memory is that life doesn't end here. We have a future well beyond the grave in a perfect place called heaven. That gives us hope and it inspires us to continue to do what we're doing today. And even though things aren't going so well, if we remember, wait a minute, I'm a citizen of heaven, then I can, I can deal with the temporary. Why? Because I can foresee eternity. I know where I'm going. Not just eternal life, but eternal hope when life here on this earth doesn't look so good. The second reason why we should celebrate memories is that the Lord is near. I think we forget that God is near now to us because of what Jesus has done. The Lord is very near to us. We have, we have been reconciled to God. That's what Jesus did. He reconciled us back to God. So he's not far off. He's not far from us. We, we, we've been brought near to him because of what Jesus did on the cross. So no, don't forget that we are citizens of heaven. The Lord is near. And then the peace of God 
will guard our hearts. It's his peace. And who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus. So Jesus gives us his peace because he is peace and because he dwells in us. Now he becomes our guard. And it's amazing what peace can do when that is guarding your heart. It's amazing what we can become and who we can become when peace is guarding our hearts. You know, majority of us, all we want is peace and quiet. We just want, we just want peace. We just want to be, we just want, some of us build separate areas in our house just so that we can have peace, peace and quiet. Some of us, and I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, weird or anything, but for some of us to have peace and quiet from children and whatever else, we find our peace and quiet in the bathroom. And here are the children, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. We're like, what? That's like the only time. Like you look forward to going to the bathroom. It's your peace and quiet. But we all want that. We want peace. We want peace in our families. We want peace in our marriages. We want peace in our world, our community. We just want peace. And God says, I have a peace that you know not of. It's a peace that surpasses all human comprehension. And that peace is in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was alluding to. He was saying, when you dwell on these things, guess what will happen at the end? The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the best peace to have. That's the result that we're looking for. And Paul gives that to us. And when we pray to the Lord, listen to his voice. Listen to what he's saying. Don't just pray and then think, okay, everything's done. I'm, I'm fine. Receive his comfort. It'll be his peace. Even in the midst of chaos with what we're seeing or uncertainty or, or if you're dealing with insecurity or if there's disorganization or hurt or pain or even catastrophic events that take place, it's the peace of God that will guard our hearts, not better conditions, not a change of circumstances, and not better circumstances. It's the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds. So here's, so here's how we celebrate the memories. That's, that's why we celebrate. We celebrate the memories because we're citizens of heaven, the Lord is near, and because the peace of God will guard our hearts. Those are things that we, that's the reason why we celebrate, but we're going to look at those traits that Paul says to dwell on, and this is how we celebrate memories. Here's the first thing. He says, dwell on what is true. This is how we celebrate. You dwell on what is true. I was speaking to my mom. Uh, she lives on Oahu, and I just called her to wish her happy Mother's Day and see how she's doing. And the first thing she tells me, she says, Sheldon, you need to get out of there. I said, what? She goes, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the lava is, I mean, it's going to take over and, and, you know, the sulfuric acid or the, the sulfuric, what, sulfur, the sulfur and, and the breathing and you, you can die, it's poisonous. I said, mom, no, I'm fine. I'm, I, I live far from the volcano and where it's, you know, where the fishes are coming out, so I'm okay. Uh, yeah, sometimes the wind will shift, and if that happens, then yes, the breathing conditions are not good, air quality is not good, but, but we're okay. She goes, no, no, that's not what so-and-so told me. They said a huge tidal wave is going to come, a tsunami, and if you get hit with that, then where are you going to go? So you need to get out of there, and if the thing explodes, the whole island is gone, and I'm like, the whole island? What are, I'm like, mom, what are you watching? Like, what, what are you listening to? And she says, so-and-so said these things. And so she starts naming these things. I'm like, yeah, um, there's some volcanologists that I'm talking to and some geologists that's not even close to what they're saying. It's, and then she said, oh, so you're saying so-and-so is lying. 
I said, yes, mom. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean uh, short from watching YouTube videos and Facebook, that's the person's background of getting this information. So, but then I did tell her this. I said, mom, anything can happen. She goes, yes, I know. Anything can happen. I was like, shucks. I was trying to, you know, kind of play the level field, you know, kind of make it seem not that bad for her. But I said, mom, you know, anything can happen. But, but here's what I know. I know that our God is a big God. This I know is true. We may have different scientists say, you know, different things. And, and thank you, Jesus, that we have great people who serve our community and do their very best to give us the best information when we need it, not if we need it, but when we need it. They do their very best to release whatever information they can to keep us safe and to make sure we don't go into a panic for things that may never happen but I'm thankful, not just for that, but I'm thankful we have a God who is bigger than even the, the information that we're getting or what's happening right now. We cannot forget the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the, the, the strength of God, and the power of God. We cannot forget that. We must dwell on God more than any other thing. Because when God is on our minds then no matter what comes our way, it's his peace that guards us. And whenever our minds are dwelling on the things of God, then whatever is true, that's what we're going to listen to. And the Bible says that Jesus is truth. Listen for his voice. Listen for his voice. Yes, we need to obey certain things that come our way when there's an emergency or if there's an evacuation. We need to obey. But listen to the voice of God in all of that. He says, in everything. Pray to me in everything. Give thanks in everything. Not for everything, in everything. But he says to dwell on what is true. Then he says dwell on what is honorable. To dwell on those things that are honorable. That which has regard to great respect for character. That you just, there's, there's, there's honor that's due. Something is honorable. In other words, look for the good thing in others. Look for the good in them. Look for good in people. Not the negative. He says, dwell on what is honorable. And then dwell on what is right. Righteousness. He's saying, dwell on what is right. The righteousness of God. Dwell on those things. The fourth thing, he says, is to dwell on what is pure. Pure. Whatever is pure, dwell on that. Which means pure from carnality or what is clean. Or pure from the flesh. Don't, don't think of fleshly things. Think of purity. In other words, less flesh equals more purity. So the less we dwell on fleshly things, the more we can dwell on what is pure. The fifth thing he says to dwell on is what is lovely, what is acceptable or pleasing. So I'm going to give you a quick test just to, just to see what is lovely, okay? So, and I need a response from you. So this is a quick test. I need you to just say yes if you, if you believe it's lovely, okay? Just, you have to say yes uh, if you believe it's lovely. Your spouse Okay, that was just a test. Okay, so you know how to respond. That's good. Isn't she lovely? Just had to sing it. Okay, so the second thing is, uh, if you don't think it's lovely, say, I don't think so. Now do that with some attitude. Go, just say, I don't think so. Yeah, see, that's good. some of you did like that. I don't think so. So that's good too. You, you want to have a little bit of attitude in there if it's not lovely, acceptable, or pleasing. Okay, so here, here we go. Here's the test. Things that make you angry, is that pleasing or is that lovely or is it not lovely? Things that make you angry. 
Yeah, I don't think so. What? How am I asking this question? Okay, so that's, I, I failed on the asking question. Okay, so that's a, I don't think so. Uh, storing up others' mistakes and faults to use against them. Yeah, that's not lovely, right? I don't think so. It's like you, we, we, we accumulate ammunition, we build it up, so that when they fail, we can say, ah, oh, here are some things that you did. Or when they're nitpicking at us, we say, oh, yeah, but you leave the dishes overnight. Oh, yeah, but you park crooked like that. Oh, yeah, but you speed too. And I don't do that. Yes, February 17th, 2.30 p.m., you was yelling at me for the very same thing. So we, like, we hold on to this ammunition. So the Bible is saying, no, that's not lovely. Okay. When another person cooks, cleans, and provides for the family. Yes, that is lovely. Okay, what about when someone takes the time to drive you places? Is that, is that lovely? Yes, that is lovely. Unless they drive you up the wall, then that's different. So we, we kind of know what is lovely. We know what is lovely. We know what that looks like. And the Bible says that's what you're supposed to dwell on. Dwell on those things that are lovely. The sixth thing he says is dwell on what is of good repute. What is good repute? No one speaks like that. It's like, how are you doing today? I am having good repute. It's like, what are you, Thor? So he's saying, dwell on what is of good repute. Good repute means showing or suggesting that future success is likely. It's like you're speaking into someone's life. That you're saying, you're encouraging them. You're bringing out the best in them. You're, you're saying things not just to be, uh, you know, uh, making them feel good, but you're trying to bring out the best in them. And you, when you're saying things to our children, uh, we can say things to them like, you know, you're, you're so great at this, but you know what is even greater than your sporting abilities or your, your, the creativity that you have? It's your character. Because I see that one day you're going to be leading people and your character is amazing. That's good repute. You're, you're, you're dwelling on good repute. Or your husband or your wife, you're, you're speaking life into them. You're saying things like, honey, I know you're working so hard, so I, I, I see that you are, God is using you to build our family. And because of the way you've been doing things, your, your, your integrity and, and your passion for life and your passion for God, boy, that is simply amazing and it's inspiring. That's good repute. You're thinking about these things. And when someone encourages, encourages you or, or, when, or when God speaks to you, when God says something of good repute to you, that he's, he's looking for or showing or suggesting that you have future success and it's more likely than not that this area is going to have future success. When God speaks that, then let it sink in. Let it live in your mind. That's what Paul is saying, good repute. And then he says, dwell on what is excellent. And that word excellent, it's used in the, in the sense of moral excellence. That there's, 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 there's a difference between right and wrong, and you know that. And so you're going to do things with excellence. You want to do things well for God. You're not going to be someone who does things mediocrely with medi... What is it? You're not going to do things mediocre. <laughs> See where I'm going with this? It's like mediocrely. That's what I want to say. But don't do things with mediocrity. Is that right? Okay. Thank you for giving me good repute. But you don't want to do things mediocre. You want to do things with excellence. And God, God is an excellent God. So whenever we're going, to, we're going to do something, do it with the best of your ability, with the best of what you can. And throw your heart in there. You don't want to just get by with doing stuff. 
even at work when you're doing things, just think about how you can do things with excellence. How can you do things well and great so that when people see what you're doing, they're not, they're not judging what you did. They're looking at your character, your heart, and they're saying, boy, this person, although they're doing this with excellence, look at their attitude. Because someone, someone can do the very same thing but have a bad attitude, and that's not excellence at all. So what God looks for is the moral excellence. He's looking for what's happening in the heart, not just, okay, just tell me what to do and I'll do that. But my attitude stinks. He's saying, I'm not looking for what you're doing. Not your, I'm not looking for your sacrifice. I'm looking for your obedience. That's moral excellence. Because it's all about the heart. Are you obeying me? Well, yeah, I did what you asked me to do. No, no, no. Not, not just doing that, but was your heart pure with me? Because that's what I'm asking of you. Was your heart good? Or were you just trying to get the job done? Or were you trying to make someone else look bad? What were you, where is your heart in that? Because that's what God is looking for, in that moral excellence. And when something is excellent, let that be at the forefront of your mind so that whenever we put our hands to work, whatever we're going to do, the Bible says that you do it for the glory of God. In everything you do, do everything for the Lord rather than for man because it's the Lord who is the one that rewards us. Everything that we do should have that moral excellence attached to it. And then the last thing that he says, he says, dwell on what is worthy of praise. I'm going to ask you this one last question. Who is worthy of praise? Absolutely. Yep. Because, because of what he has done, the Bible says dwell on that. Dwell on God, Jesus. Dwell on what he has done for us. Once we take our eyes off of the Lord, now all the options of doing everything else become part of our decision-making process. But if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, now we're able to dwell on the good things. We are able to dwell on all the things that we just talked about, especially he who is worthy of praise. And when it's God himself, whatever is worthy to be celebrated, which means to be commended, whenever it's him, then he leads us. And he guides us as we continue to celebrate his goodness. That's what that word means, to be worthy of praise. It means whatever is worthy to be celebrated or commended. That's what you give praise to. Almost like when you recommend someone. You know some good things in them, so you're going to recommend them because you see the goodness in them. You, you praise them in the sense of, oh, well done. So because of, of a job well done, I'm going to recommend you to some people. I'm going to write a letter of recommendation because they have shown themselves to be proven of praise. And God has definitely shown himself to be proven of praise. He has gone over and beyond, not just sending us his one and only son, and then Jesus dying for our sins and rising from the grave to give us eternal life, but he also dwells within us so that we can celebrate all the memories that he has given to us. Don't forget about God. In all that we're dealing with, don't forget about who he is, his goodness, and how powerful he is. People may think otherwise. Uh, there are going to be non-believers, even atheists. It's okay. You keep loving on people. You keep following God and his goodness, and you watch what he does. And this summer, we're going to be able to celebrate because of what God has done, not what he hasn't done. It's all the good that he's done. Amen? And close your Bibles, put away your notes, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And we're going to pray.
So whenever God is, whenever he, um, whenever he speaks to us and he does something good, kind of put that in the bank of your mind, that it's, it's now in an account that says, I'm going to dwell on these things. And then that list that we looked at in Philippians 4, 8, kind of put that to memory. Because when you have that in your memory, when things aren't going so well, now you can start thinking of all the good things God has done. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can, we can dwell on these good things. You are worthy of praise, so we're going to let you be on our hearts and our minds. So Lord, our prayer tonight is simple. Help us to dwell on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, whatever is of good repute. And if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, this is what we're going to dwell on. It all comes back to you, Lord. And so we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Isn't he so good to us? Yes, he is.